If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want to coach and tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the GOAT Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a GOAT, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubenville, and welcome to another episode of the GOAT Consulting Podcast right here in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee, in the production studios right here in VC Productions. Nailed it. God, it's so good. The new table and the, the We are setup. constantly I mean, upgrading. Constantly upgrading. We've got uh, a great show for you today. As always, at the table, we do have a guest in part two. We'll talk about that here in just a second. But uh, the CEO and founder of Goat Turf and the Goat family of brands, he's got his own clothing line. He took off his active wear. Glad you're here today. Glad you <laughs> glad you stuck around for part three, part two, Tyler Burnett. Hey, glad to be here. Tyler, we're glad you're Thank here. You. The LinkedIn Whisperer. Um, yes. Made the, the drive in from Brentwood. You said the traffic wasn't too bad today, so I'm glad for that. I didn't. You didn't even ask me. <laughs> I didn't say either. He's the calming force to our show. Uh, John's got a last name. His last name is Byers. John Byers Thank is you. here. And John's friend uh, who took time for us today, and we appreciate you being around the table uh, with us today, uh, Janet Miller. And Janet, we're so glad for you. You're here to do part two yep. of, of your show and our time together around this idea of she knows everyone yep. because she gets to know everyone. And a quick nod to our friends and new partner, Dev Digital. Yeah. Brian Huddleston leads the team over there. These guys are incredible. They help small to large, experienced businesses, Every uh, the, the whole gamut really give you the freedom to build. Freedom I can't, to build. I can't wait to get with them. To access opportunities for growth. They create anything in your mind to a digital solution. DevDigital.com. Check R- them out. Really, they give Nashville energy. That's what I think of when I think of Nashville. Yeah, energy I mean, the music scene, the downtown scene, Fantastic. the sports scene, the hospitals, and education. And you want to transform it. Called Dev Digital. And now they are in the loving bosom of the Goat Consulting <laughs> Podcast. Yes, yes. Everyone is welcome under the yellow sign. We serve it up in a way that you can get it. There's no doubt about that. That's one of the things that we believe. We believe in our 20s, you get in the game. In our 30s, you move up, move up in the game. In our 40s, you stay in the game because those 30 year olds like Tyler are so damn good. In our 50s, we finally say, What is it that I really want? Janet, you're certainly a great example of that today. She's also a great example of a goat and a goat in sports is easy to see. It's someone that is recognized for their greatness. Someone like Tanya Harding or another figure skater that we've talked about in a previous <laughs> episode. Go back to the archives for that one. If you go back to a previous episode, you could listen to some figure skating and what could be happening here very soon in Nashville. But they also do this. They elevate the, the performance of those around them. In business, it's people that compete on unique perspective, unique education, and unique experience. What they do gives them energy, and it gives other people energy. It creates new levels of challenge and new levels of opportunity. And, and Janet, all those things that we talk about, about goats in business, certainly are a reflection of your story mm-hmm. and, um, and the success that you've had and failures along the way and lessons that There's you've learned. Some. We spent some time in part one talking about those people that have influenced Janet. We've talked about her ideas of what she thinks leadership should be. Uh, we've talked about her transition in her stages of life. And I think one of the things that's really cool that you told me in a, in a pre-interview 
uh, pre-show interview is that you went to seven public schools. I did. Seven public schools. I think that may be a record. Talk to us about <laughs> that and, and how that kind of set the trajectory for you in, in your life. What a what a great question! It is so fun being with you guys. I'll come anytime you want because it's the inter- most entertaining part offer. of my day. Dangerous uh, offer. <laughs> so it's interesting. So I uh, grew up in Nashville in the '60s, West Nashville, big ranch house, little ranch house over in Hillwood, <laughs> and uh, none of them were. Oh, I'm laughing because I grew up in that same house. <laughs> we all lived in the same house, <laughs> yeah. didn't we? Uh, and my parents were just big believers in public education. So, yeah. And it was right when busing first came uh, into play in Nashville. So I went to seven public schools. I went to, wow. uh, uh, let's think, old H.G. Hill. Then they built a new H.G. Hill. Then Brooke Mead. Then I went up to North Nashville to John Early, uh, Wharton in North Nashville, a quick stop over at Peabody Demonstration School, which is now a university school, and then finished out at Hillwood High School. Mm. So if you can imagine moving around that much, you just have to you meet all new kids every yeah. year, right? So it's almost as if you picked up and moved. Yeah. So I really think that what it seeded in me was a natural curiosity mm. about people and their lives. And I'm, it's interesting. I think I, my friend John here, who I've known for years and who I just flat out adore. Yes. You know, I meet him and he's this hotshot executive with Lockton. Oh, and wow. that's, uh, yeah. that's impressive. And it, that business is impressive. He is hot. Shot. <laughs> Thank you. I'm going to keep moving here. Wow. And, uh, no, please. But please what don't. really interested me about John was not so much his day job, but just how he ticks and how he thinks and I'm just curious. I'm curious about how you do a triathlon. I just can't fathom that the human body was created for that. Mm. And his beautiful family and yeah. his kids and that gorgeous baby. She's not a baby girl anymore. Yeah. You she's, told her about your mine. night job? Yeah. Well, I'm a, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I have yet. Okay, you guys are hard to manage here. I'm having a tough time. It's a curveball. I'm falling apart. Right. I'm falling apart. Because but, to me, that's the fun. It's getting to know the people, and then yeah. the business follows, right? Yeah. That's just the way the world is. I and it's, it's almost like, to me, when I think about asking that question, I asked intentionally because I think the, those seven schools are almost representative of the, the different distinct areas in Nashville. Right. And is that something that, that you see as part of, when, when you were at the chamber, is that part of something that you saw as a bigger Nashville and a vision for Nashville is to is to develop those distinct areas? Absolutely. So what you learn when you're working with a corporation that's moving to Nashville is they want choice. They don't want just one thing. They Not everybody wants to live in a brick yeah. a colonial in Brentwood. People want to be in hip lofts and they want to be in East Nashville and renovate bungalows. And so... To me, diversity in every way, and it is what has made this city attractive. Yeah. And I believe it's the people, diversity of points of view and all kinds of people, is what this city needs in order for us to continue to prosper. Well, before you move away from the high school thing, you shared a story (laughs) about a really meaningful relationship in one of those seven schools yes. that <laughs> I would like for you to bring up. Uh, and really, the, the you know, we, we talked about last episode, last conversation, the first half, I should say, around this idea that Janet knows everyone because she gets to know everyone. And right. a lot of what you're sharing and the curiosity behind people, 
but does that come from a specific relationship I feel like you've shared or tell us about that? So it's kind of a hilarious story, but one of my early boyfriends, high school, not elementary, not middle, (laughs) one of of many, (laughs) one of many, uh, uh, told me early on, he was coaching me on, of course, uh, on dating because I guess he figured it was mansplaining. (laughs) He was mansplaining. mansplaining, right? And he said to me, he said, if you want to be seen as the most beautiful seductive charming woman right. on the planet who doesn't just ask a bunch <laughs> of questions does. ask the guys you date ask a bunch of questions huh. love that and when they take you home at night they will drop you off and say that is the most amazing woman i have ever met yeah well of all the bad terrible advice you've probably gotten over the years from men that that might not have been part of that. It I was, mean, that's pretty good advice. I mean, was, in general, not just to right. be those things. I mean, it's a little callous if you just take it on the front. But sure. I got really good at it. But what I found is I'm truly interested yeah. in uh, what makes people tick. So when I run into John, I'm going to, out of the gate, just say, tell me, what's, tell me what's going on. I love your approach, which is tell me your story. Yeah. That's when I interview, and I interview a lot of people um, for employment, the first thing I say is, "Tell me your story." Yeah, the narrative. Right. Yeah, and, and you and you make it feel so genuine because it is genuine, right? I mean, that's that's the whole. You know everybody because you get to know everybody, and I would even take that up a level and say some of the themes because we know a lot of the similar people, and people just dote over you like they they adore you. But but I think it goes beyond just knowing them; it's knowing us. In all of our flaws and mistakes and errors, guilt and shame, and loving us anyways. That's like right. that's that's really the genuine piece about it. That's the distinctive factor. It is getting to know, but it's even caring for, helping that sense of belonging. We want to be seen and cared for with exactly who we are. Right. That's what you do well. So I had a fun experience this week. Be- Beverly Keel at Middle Tennessee State is a good friend. Yeah. So she started a thing um, in 2020. She uh, wrote an essay every day, 365 essays in the year 2020, wow. about, um, what does she call it, her um, inspiring gang. gang of women. Mm-hmm. She was th- women. lifting yeah. women up. Yeah. And I was so blessed to be... Uh, one of the women mm. tribute that I've just put it in a folder from my obituary. So Beverly, wow. if you're listening, you may be doing my eulogy. Wow! Uh, but this past cool. week, she has asked friends to pick it up. So I actually wrote seven essays this last week about seven of my amazing friends, mm. and it was the most fun, inspiring, uh, uplifting thing for me to be able to talk about my friends. And I worked on them and I rewrote them. But to me, being able to lift up these amazing women uh, w- gave more to me than than they than the other way around. So yeah. it's just, it's that's how you find joy in life, right? Yeah. John Wooden said it best. He said, if you give somebody a compliment, you're good with them for 30 days. Mm-hmm. And, and those, <laughs> if you read those pieces, they're just, they're absolutely, they, they really speak to their, that person's voice, the intersection right. of talent and passion and conscience right. and need in the world that's that right. only they fulfill. That's right. And those are great pieces. And it is amazing how, you know, I feel like when I instill in others or my kids or when I do those things, how it does feed me. And I often wonder, like, who 
who gets more out of that, right? Like mm-hmm. I talk about with my kids all the time I and mean, who's really parenting who, because I feel like I'm learning so much in the relationship right. and it's different, but I appreciate what you said. Can we just get real practical here? Because you used a couple of terms that I feel like one of the things we're trying to do in this show, and we've had folks, um, Rob Ivey and Jared Hamilton, who's out of Houston, both re- you know reach out and have shared, I like this practical point, or mm-hmm. I'd like for you guys to be more practical. Give us a couple of practicals. How do you do that with people to really develop that connection? So I've managed a lot of people in 30 years of of, of being in a leadership role. And it was so interesting to me as I was developing as a young leader to see how people kick cans down the road because they don't like conflict. And let's yeah. face it, none of us like conflict. But I figured out early on, you better be good at dealing with issues and dealing with them in a straight-up way. Yeah. And I am a caring person, right? Yeah. So that's, that's always I, what I, I strive for. I can't remember if it was this episode or, or this conversation or the uh-huh. first half where I said I would categorize you as a fierce you have a fierce kindness about you. Oh, that's so sweet. And I think that's what you just right. shared. So a few years ago, I ran up on a model that is all about the way that I um, philosophically feel about leading. And it's a great book by Kim Scott called Radical Candor. Not like a model like Colby. Not a model. <laughs> a mo- a, a like ha- a, I'm a hand model. A hand, not right. a hand yeah. model. Like Col- okay. you, have yeah. lovely, model. you have lovely hands, Thank you. by the way. Thank you. I, I get that often. <laughs> but oh it's God. a really interesting... <laughs> Golly. Too many left turns going on. Yeah. Not, nice card focus. focus. <laughs> so, so what radical candor is, is it's really a matrix. And one axis radical is candor. I care about you, and the other is I don't care about you. Mm. And then over on this axis is I will deal directly with you or I will not deal directly with you. Yeah. And where I, I keep the little matrix on my desk, and my goal is to live in that quadrant, which is radical candor. Mm -hmm. So what that is, so if I have a team member who has uh, something that needs to be addressed, I want to deal with it head on, so directly, but with care. Mm. And when you do that, what you're saying to the people that are on your team is, I care enough about you to help you become better at what you are doing in your life. So, yeah. Because what's the alternative? The alternative is the quadrant called ruinous empathy. Okay. And this is where so many people live in the world, which is, I like you so much that I'm not going to tell you the truth. Yeah. Mm. And so you make a presentation. You There's some areas that you need to improve on. And I go, that was awesome, John. That was just great. Right. That does not give an opportunity for growth. It doesn't. I mean, I wouldn't be where I sit today if somebody hadn't practiced radical candor with me. Sure. So to me, and it's funny, my partner uh, in my firm, he tends to live in the ruinous empathy quadrant. Does he know that? He does. And Do you we remind laugh, him of that? We laugh about it because <laughs> okay. when we are interviewing or we have a tough situation, he'll say, I'm going to try very hard to stay in the upper right quadrant. Mm. And what I've found is... If you deal with things directly with care, then they don't turn into bigger things. That's yeah. what happens when you live in this yeah. quadrant. You know, Brene Brown interviewed uh, uh, some of the top Fortune 100 companies, and the common theme through that, she said, of all the CEOs she talked to was they would say, we have a nice problem here. Mm-hmm. We interpret being nice is 
not telling the truth. Right. And I think the outcome of that, which is what you just described, is kind and honest are not mutually exclusive. Exactly. And in my view, the worst thing you can do is not shoot straight with people. Yeah. Uh, so that's honestly how I aspire to lead, and I think it is. Radical I think people candor. people so ap- appreciate it. It's yeah. getting tougher and tougher. It is getting tougher and tougher with uh, my generation, and then mm-hmm. the one coming behind me. It's um, they don't appreciate the honesty as much mm-hmm. as I think maybe maybe y'all's generation does. That's how I was raised, though. Right. Very direct, very transparent, very honest, tough love. Right. I guess would be the best. Way to explain it's a it. tough love, but it's interesting. I, I manage 40 commercial real estate broker, all commission sales, mainly guys. And each one, it, I, I love my job because it's a little bit like a ninja mind warrior <laughs> game right. with each because sure. they all have different uh, motivators They have oh, yeah. uh, and things that they're sensitive about. Yeah. So before the uh, radical, the candor part, I always strive to be sure that they see that I see them, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense, right? So I understand you because, let's face it, in the world, that's all people want. If you talk about Maslow's hierarchy, people crave to be seen, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that just happens to be something that I love. I just love to see people. It's funny you say that. Me and Colby talk all the time about, obviously, there's tons of things people want, right? But clear expectations, mm-hmm. resources to achieve it, and to feel appreciated. That's right. And so that's the that since me and Colby started working, that's something I think all the time. When they got done at the day, if they didn't perform, was it because they didn't have clear expectations? Mm-hmm. Was it because they didn't have the resources, or was it because they weren't going to get the thank you or feel appreciated or the pat on the back? And that's right. something that goes through my my jog in my brain every day. And that's yeah. part of your culture. And I, I think we live in a world today, I think it's a coaching revolution. And the coaching revolution says you either are a coach, you have a coach, or you don't mm-hmm. want to be coached. And if you don't want to be coached, you're going to be left behind. And I right. think the coaching point that 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 needs to be made in, in, in talking about his generation and the generation after us is that they need to understand, everyone needs to understand, that feedback is where you learn the most. That's exactly right. And if you're not getting feedback then you're not getting better. So what happens when you bump into people, as Tyler just talked about, that um, where you bring that fierce kindness right. to them and they just kind of stiff arm you or deflect? Like I'm sure, you, great I'm sure you bump mm-hmm. up against that quite Absolutely. a bit. Absolutely. When you're managing 40 you got all commission-paid sure. uh, brokers, here's what I have learned over time because I do have a desire. I want to be um, liked. We all want to be liked, yes, right? absolutely. When that happens, I have to tell myself it is it's the old dating line, it's not you, it's me. Mm. I have to know it's where they're coming from and this is not your this is not yours to bear. So yeah. whatever they're bringing to it, it's something that is theirs mm-hmm. and not not to take it personally. I honestly. wonder if you agree with this statement, all all high achievers are insecure. I'm a middle child. Mm-hmm. My older brother did it first. My younger brother did it better. I'm constantly asking, am I good enough? Am I good enough? Am I good enough? Is that is that something that you deal with? And, and Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. honestly, in women, you hear about it, particularly in female leaders, hmm. which is um, imposter syndrome, right? Yeah. That's, that's what they call it, which is – and I mean, even on my best days, there are times that I think – can I really do this? Oh, yeah. yeah. But by gosh, you just plow in there. Well, the world tells you to. Uh, the world kind of makes you want to think like that, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. Yeah. 
that's that's something that I've seen is that there's always criticism. There's always you know this person comparing you, comparing themselves to you, and right. wanting you to come down to their level because mm-hmm. uh, it's like a big competition. Yeah. But it's really not. I mean, you can be super successful in insurance, real estate, consulting, turf. We can all. Now, I'm not taking a piece of the pie away. Right, right. We're making the pie bigger for all of us. That is correct. So, so I love my takeaway for me is kind and honest are not mutually exclusive. I love and it. I, I, wrote and it I love what you shared there. So, two other segments we want to make sure we get in ways that we honor our guests. Yes. Is this comes from Jerry Maguire, which we've talked about uh, in maybe most, certainly most, if not all the episodes in some way. At the beginning, he says he writes a memo. I'm sorry, he writes a mission statement. It's not a memo about things we think and do not say. And Janet, a few years ago, you leave the chamber after 21 years. Right. You go to Collier's two years in, crushing it, lighting the world on fire, selling Nashville, and you get a lawsuit. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about that, kind of how that came to be, uh, Right, wrong, or indifferent, nobody likes to talk about these kinds of things, but I appreciate you being willing to do it. Would love to hear you kind of walk through that. And what, what more importantly than anything, what did you learn through that? Because I feel like right. that's shaped a lot of the conversation that we've heard you talk about today. It is not an easy thing to talk about. Getting sued is never fun. Sure. And for me, it was one of the more traumatic experiences of my life because yeah. I feel like I have worked very hard to grow the city and do you good. You are high character, well. high integrity. You've right. developed that reputation, and this was one that just right. kind of challenged that. It did, and it was above-the-fold news, this this situation. And this is not to talk about the lawsuit because we don't talk about the lawsuit. Yeah, yeah. But what this is about is what I learned. The yes. And what I learned, because there were days where I was curled up in the floor just mm. sobbing because I felt like uh, my reputation would be destroyed and that my network of life would uh, go away. I truly felt like it threatened my life in a lot of ways. And uh, and my uh, mantra during that, I'll never forget it, it went on for about six months, was grace wins. And I thought, I wow. want to be, every minute that I'm in this, I want to be graceful. And I kept it tacked up to my wall. And I remember walking into my first big event with a lot of Nashville CEOs and leaders, and I was scared because I thought they're going to turn their back on me Yeah, because they're reading terrible things in the paper about me. And the absolute opposite happened. There were, I remember one CEO of one of the largest corporations in town came up to me, and he held my chin. Oh, he says, I've been reading about you. Can't and do I that said, anymore. Yeah. And he said, that's right. This was a few years ago. And he said, you keep that chin up. Oh, wow. And, and it's just, cool. it was so meaningful to me. Wow. And what I, the other learning from this was <clears throat> people would come up to me, Rotary, and just touch me and say, I'm with you. Wow. Or not say anything. So what I learned from it is, and then I had other friends who were scared to say anything, so they didn't. They didn't know what to say. And what I've learned is when somebody's going through something hard, see it, acknowledge it. Because just those simple words, I see it, I'm with you, Yeah. changed my life. And it really made me, because it happens when friends have cancer or friends have oh, lost yeah. somebody and you don't say anything. 
So I just am a much more uh, appreciative, mm. uh, and I will say something because I know I stood in really difficult shoes, and it was so meaningful to me just to have people say, I'm with you, I'm behind you, you got it. So as a practical takeaway there for me is say something. Say something. I see you. And it doesn't even have to be, and sometimes maybe just saying something is that hand on the shoulder, right? right? But show up, show kindness, show empathy, say something. Right. And I love what you talked about, Grace. I have a, there's a quote in one of my boy's rooms where he hangs all his medals that he's won because that's important to us. (laughs) To us. To me. (laughs) To the family. And it says, always earned, never given. And I remind him that there are, I can only think of two things in life and probably the same thing that you can't earn Mm -hmm. and that are only given. And whereas everything else in life is earned and and not given, right? right? But love and grace Mm -hmm. fall in, you can't earn it. Right. And I think that sums you up really well. If you were to sum up that fierce kindness, it is grace Mm -hmm. and it's doing. In fact, I think when we talked about your definition of a goat prior to the show, you said the courage to lead and do it with grace. Right. And I love that you garnered lessons out of that challenging time, which we often do in challenging times. So it thank you for sharing no that. No picnic, really for cool. sure. Well, struggle helps us think better, communicate better, and make better decisions. That's right. Right? And so, this idea of grace wins is certainly, so good. certainly that foundational good That's so good. to who so you good. are. We've got one one last thing you got to do for us. We right. uh, Another way that we honor our guests, and then Colby's going to land the plane here as he likes to put it, is we, you <laughs> got to pull, pull, pull your phone out, mm-hmm. and we would like for you to share your five, just go to your playlist okay. or Pandora, wherever you listen, five songs. And once you read the five songs, if you have an artist, you can share that too. Tell us what it says about you. Not each song, but the the five together. Okay. Here we go. I've got my most recent Pandora plays. So first up is Uptown Funk. Okay. Second up is the Gabe Dixon Band, All Will Be Well. It's new to me. (laughs) It's a great song. Okay. Uh, The former Dixie Chicks Radio, now the Chicks Radio, uh, Landslide. Uh, that's so good. Uh, I have Buddy Miller Amer- on Americana Plus, and then a bunch of really bad '70s songs. <laughs> bad '70s. And is there such a thing? <laughs> my favorite is uh, the Delavantes, Mike uh, and Bob Delavante, who have a creative agency here in town, but they're amazing musicians. So I like to listen to their music. There you go. All right. That is a that is a, a broad spectrum. So what does that say about the GOAT, the legend, the Nashville beloved Janet Miller? What that says about Janet Miller, this is fun to think about, uh, that I... Can't let go of your 70s music. Can't let go of 70s. I was <laughs> born, I'm a child of the 60s, chair of the 60s. Fun. I, uh, I like um, <laughs> local entertainment. listening to my friends and local entertainment. I like uplifting songwriting. And working out is always better when you're working out to Uptown <laughs> Funk Radio yes, on Pandora. There you go. Yeah, the best part about working out, I tell my personal trainers when it's over, right? That is correct. It always <laughs> yes, it feels is. so good, though, doesn't it? From, from seven high schools... To changing seven seven schools seven schools seven schools seven schools yeah that that was I was I was projecting my own high school experience on you there but from from seven different schools in Nashville to impacting the entire city 
Um, Janet, thank you so much for your time today. Such a treat. And so much fun. Thank you so much. Y'all are the goat. And telling All us your story. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, out of this, we did say that we're going to start a second piece to this, which is going to lunch with James at um, Urban, Urban Grub. Grub. Yes. So, John, we'll look, King James. we'll look to get you yeah. that uh, on the calendar for John Byers, Tyler Burnett, and our good friend Janet Miller from Collier's. I'm Colby Jubinville, and this is the Go Consulting Podcast. Um. <laughs>